This episode of Dear Culture Podcast is brought to you by the all-new Honda HRV. Every creator is driven by a strong sense of curiosity, and the 2023 HRV is ready for any path that the power of determination can lead to. With sleek exterior styling and a spacious interior, this SUV is a statement piece made to keep up with the pace of your dynamic lifestyle. The all-new Honda HRV. Learn more at thebestlookinghrvever.com. I definitely believe that she will be remembered by the tone of her voice and how unique it was. You can't discuss 90s music, not just R&B, 90s music without talking about Brandy. Because what she, along with Aaliyah and Monica, did was truly unprecedented, the level of success they had at such an early age. What's going on and welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast by, for, and about Black culture, the Blackness all black everything here on the Griot's Podcast Network. I'm your host, Panama Jackson, and I'm excited today to have a conversation that's been on my mind, heart, and soul for quite some time. And it's a conversation about one of my favorite artists and a person for whom a very lofty uh, statement, a very high expectation bar has been set due to apparently her immense and tremendous skill set she is considered an innovator. She is considered a uh, a one of one, I suppose. That's kind of the point of this conversation. She is, I mean, she's Brandy. And we're going to have a conversation today with a journalist and writer named Dave Poole, who's going to talk to us and break down for me and for us and for the culture, for the blackness, why, 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 why Brandy is considered to be the vocal Bible, which is a statement I would never want to attach to my name. Not if I'm an artist still out here making music. But you know what? Sometimes you just are what you are. I'm excited to have this conversation today. Let me tell y'all a little, a little reason why. I've been a Brandy fan for... I mean, I guess since I was 14 or 15, I am I am 42. That means me and Brandy basically grew up together. Now, my growth in life was a little bit different. She grew up rich and famous, and I didn't. But we are still brought together here today because I'm going to have a conversation about her being termed the vocal Bible, which is one of the more interesting statements I've heard about a singer, like, period. And to do this, I am joined by journalist, writer, music head, um food writer interestingly enough food writer like yo yo your intersections are amazing bro uh daypool how you doing bro i am doing well super grateful to be here i mean we are glad to have you i let me introduce you properly and i have because and i want to talk about this food thing very briefly just because it blew my mind like i read all these articles you wrote this thing about like ego like 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 waffles that are like tiramisu flavored and i was like wait what Anyway, so <laughs> Dave Poole is a graduate of Virginia Tech who majored with degrees in psychology and music, which is a very interesting combination. But also, I actually think is the kind of thing that helps you be a good music writer in a very interesting way. Absolutely. Like, I feel like that intersection helps you be a good music writer. Um, self-proclaimed dessert connoisseur or connoisseur, as I like to say. Uh, lover <laughs> like of all that. things seafood. Clearly a music music head. is written for Mashed. Uh, in the kitchen, uh, this is R and B. Enjoys live music. I mean, you you're just you're all encompassing in all these different spaces. And you recently dropped, you. which is makes this coincidental and perhaps ironic. Uh, you helped script or you scripted a video about this very topic about Brandy being yeah. the vocal bible. Tell me how that came to be. To be completely honest, I always just say when God blesses you with, you never know what things people are watching that you do. I had written an article. My first or second published article was actually 10 songs that justify why Brandy should be the vocal Bible for This Is R&B. It was like second publication. And PBS Soundfield, the producers there found that article and they asked me to help them script um, an upcoming series focused on her. It was the first time they were specifically focusing on an artist. Okay. Brandy is an is a singer that producers can find their sound in. As she was in the studio finishing up the production of Full Moon, Brandy found out that she was pregnant with her daughter Sarai. 
And so it came at like the worst time of my life, but I was like, I can't miss this opportunity. So it was super, super amazing. Well, that's how we found you as well, honestly. Like I was looking up Brandy Vocal Bible and your article popped up and I read it. It's the 10 songs that you think that you say I think justify her being the vocal Bible. And I read this and I was like, this is interesting because I've heard this statement before. This statement is the reason why a couple of my friends and I got into a huge argument. Uh, Mm. Like it was like a four hour argument we had on the phone about whether or not Brandy was the actual vocal Bible. One of my boys was like, absolutely. The other one was like, absolutely not. I was in the middle kind of like, eh, you know, like I'm I'm interested in hearing the idea. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what that's how you got. That's how we found you as well. I saw that article awesome. and then I saw the video that you scripted recently. And I'm like, man, look at God. Like, this is right on yes. time. I watched the whole thing. Good job. Very good job. Thank you. Um, so let, let's hop right into this discussion. Like, what does it mean to be a vocal Bible? Like, that is such an interesting statement in and of itself. But what does that even mean? Yeah, so I think it's first important, if you don't mind, to give the context from which that that moniker came. So Please songwriter Stacy Barth, I remember Brandy was working on a song called I Don't Care with her, and I believe the guy in his name was Corey on the writing team. And she said Brandy is the vocal Bible. And everyone kind of went with that statement. It was Is that where that I think came around from? the time? I, had, I was trying to yeah. figure out where that came from. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think Stacey I believe Barth, her I like and Stacey Ray Barth. Yeah, they were working on that. I think it was the family business show on VH1, the reality show, and they were she was doing a song called I Don't Care. And that's when she we first heard that title. And I think, which we'll probably get into more about her own feelings about accepting that moniker. For me, it's similar to the idea of being the vocal blueprint, but I think that using the term, a biblical term almost adds a level of reverence and respect to what she does because of the magnitude at which she does it. Like, I love the biblical story about the five, the many talents. And I always say, you know, with Brandy, she's the perfect example of, if you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. Because she does it, while she's not, she has her faults as a vocalist. She has her opportunities, I'll say, as a vocalist. There are things that aren't necessarily her skill set, case in point. Like, Brandy's not a very loud singer. God didn't give her the gift of just volume that he gave maybe other people. However, with the things that he did give give her, she chose to dive deeper and deeper and deeper into those gifts and expand them and stretch them to their fullest potential. And I think that's where the concept of the vocal Bible originated. That's so interesting because, so for one, it's a more recent I guess the family business album was like 2011-ish or something like that, or whenever. Yeah, it was really early, 2010s. Yeah, yeah. So it was, okay. So this idea of Brandy in that, like somebody, Stacey, let's say Stacey drops that term, and it's such a good term that it's bound to travel, right? Like that's the kind of thing that people are going to run with and like, we got to talk about this. And I, like what, you know, Brandy, it's interesting that you mentioned like what she doesn't do well. Like she's not a volume singer. Like she's not Patty, right? Like she ain't got that like... You know, like you you hear Patty before you see her kind of thing. Like she ain't, exactly. you know, Brandy's not like Janet where it's kind of like whisper singing kind of thing. Like you're right. She lives very Correct. strong in her mid register. She's very like she knows how to use that. She has a really solid like like low like low register too. like that's mm-hmm. there's like this acapella song. I think you actually included in your list. I'm like, yo, the fact yeah. that she can like hit those lower registers and do it in a way that like still fills up the, the, the sound of the, 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 the cone of sound kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. So but here's the question. Was there any. Do you think this could have applied to anybody else before Brandy gets labeled this? Or is it, I mentioned I kept mentioning her like a one of one in the intro. And I think that's probably why, because I don't I've never heard that statement before. And it's only ever been associated with Brandy with her. Like, yeah, are, there, so are there other artists that you feel like even came that came before her that could kind of have held such a weighty title because i when i think of like and this is going to lead to another question we're going to get to a little bit later it's gonna be a little controversial but like i think of some (laughs) of the great singers obviously the arethas and like the mini rippertons you know the people who have this ability to literally run the whole scale and you know all this stuff like 
you know, are there any other people considering Brandy as this that could possibly fit on that amount Rushmore with Brandy in this in this way? I don't know if I would give someone the same title. I think maybe I'd give them different titles, but I definitely think that there are other vocalists who are exceptionally talented. Every generation has their gamut of vocalists who set a standard from which all other vocalists can aspire or reach to something about what they did. Like Aretha's ability to ooze in ooze soul into a song in a way that honestly prior to her, like, you know, you have your Diana Rosses, you have the the Motown sound, which was not in a disrespectful way, lacking in soul for an, the intention of reaching a broader audience. Aretha really, or people like her, Ray Charles, Little Richard, they took that raw, churchy, tent revival energy and channeled it into secular music and made it revolutionary in a way. And so even looking at Brandy's contemporaries, I think if you know, if you if we are going to go under the assumption that artists like her or Monica kind of come from that school of Whitney Houston, who was also a nice Whitney was a bridge between you know your Barbara Streisands and your Aretha Franklin's is perfect yes. balance. I think what Monica got from Whitney was a lot of that confidence, vocal confidence, as well as the volume that Brandy doesn't possess. And then Brandy was able to really borrow a lot of the the isms and the nuances found in Whitney's tone. But I think what made Brandy unique and why she's gotten the title that she's gotten is for a current generation of singers, especially around Never Say Never and the Full Moon era, what we started realizing is that Brandy's style of recording in and of itself was becoming so unique and distinct in R&B that now it's commonplace. Like you're not even thinking, oh, this was a style that Brandy was really working on revolutionizing. And then when you started adding her newer influences like Kim Burrell and Mariah Carey, you start hearing how complex the runs became or how the vocal stacks, there was counterpoint. Like Janet Jackson's backgrounds are some of the best along with Mariah Carey and Faith Evans on the female side. But Brandy was adding nuance and new layers to what they had already done. So that might be why I think Brandy's statue is here. <laughs> and then other people do great things that they could, you know, be on the the thing for. Like, I mean, you could call Aretha the vocal architect, I guess. Like, she really revolutionized the way of singing for secular music. That's okay. And let's go ahead and just kind of hop into this because I think one of the things that makes Brandy so unique is that vocal stacking, right? So, you know, and you mentioned how influential she is. And this is kind of like a Solange point. And we're going to get to Solange at some point because, you know, Solange Solange had a whole thing about this from some years ago that has always stayed with me um, because I thought it was so fascinating. It's kind of, I think, kind of peaked my whole Brandy as we're going to get into this too, like, underrated because i don't think she ever Mm -hmm. she doesn't really get her due in this space but so if brandy's like this vocal bible and i think part of it it, my my in my idea on that is largely because of her runs her ad-libs her runs the way she stacks her vocals like i don't i the more i started listening to that and then the more i started trying to hear that in other places like i don't know how many people are able to stack vocals in the way that she does because she has such a unique tone, right? So her tone is one that is so like, like you know it's Brandy immediately. Like there's no, there's no, and you know when people are trying to sound like Brandy because there's a, there's um, I was listening to a, an artist and this is no shade. I was listening to, to Kalani, and it mm-hmm. was I can't even think of the name of the song, but like it's the opening song in the album. The album cover has her like standing on a ladder by by like a back in a backyard fence kind of thing. Oh, whatever. it was right until it wasn't that album. We take turns being wrong. The first song that comes on, my first thought was, oh, this is Brandy all day. Like, it's almost like she was trying to channel Brandy like 100%, like everything about the way it was. And I guess I guess you're right. Like the way that I hear a lot of artists now, the things that they are doing is something that I suppose Brandy has been doing. But I don't know if Brandy gets enough credit for that. And Kalani is a self-professed Brandy fan. So it's like she's not even hiding... 
clear. She, yeah, she's hot. Because I listened to her new album. <clears throat> the new album has a song up there. I think it's Up at Night with the one with Justin Bieber. And I heard it and I was like, ooh, these vocal sacks are very reminiscent of Brandy. But I know that she admires her. Even her song Distraction. All right. So what what specifically before we get into like some of the bigger broad scale questions, like all right, I'm saying in my head when I heard that statement vocal, Bob, I'm like, all right, it must be because of her tone, the way she stacks. Like it's the kind of thing that you would want sonically on any album that you have because it gives so much like atmosphere. It gives so much uh, emotion, so much soul. It's like all these things into it. But that's just me listening, but still kind of trying to understand the idea. But as somebody Mm -hmm. who spent time genuinely thinking about this enough to write about it and be part of other projects about like what makes her specifically the vocal Bible? Like what does she do that, that earns her this title? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a bunch of things. I think we'll go with the joking. I don't, I'm a church kid. So I grew up with different little acronyms for the Bible. Some one was basic instructions before leaving earth. And I think that that might be the most applicable for Brandy. And I say that because the way that she goes about recording a record or a song or an album is so distinct that it lays this blueprint, going back to that word, for other artists to go to. And whether that simply be the vocal stacking, how she stacks her vocals, you know it's a brandy record. Enya stacks her vocals, Sade stacks her vocals, but they're not the same as when Brandy stacks her vocals. Part of that is due to her tone and her ability to dub- duplicate herself so accurately that I remember LaShawn Daniels spoke about when she used to do it back in the day, people thought it was like a plug-in or some extra effect, and it wasn't. It's just that her voice was so closely linked in those takes that it created this interesting sound. I think it's the fact that Brandy, what I always say is what makes her really different, personally, is the fact that every album that she goes through she finds a new dimension of her voice to explore. And so many artists, they get to the point where they're like, I'm a great singer already. So they're not really trying to reinvent what they do or go deeper into their skill set. Brandy is consistently challenging herself as a vocalist. And I don't even think she does it with the intent of other people now do this. It's simply, she's so curious as an artist. She doesn't approach her music like a singer. She approaches it Depending on what she's doing, it she approaches it like an instrumentalist. She approaches, approaches it as a vocalist. She approaches it as as a painter. There's all these different aspects of how she does everything. Where you're just sitting back, and I agree with you. The casual listener is probably not even taking in everything that she's doing, but that doesn't diminish how she approaches her art. And I think the reason that she gets the moniker Bible is because what she's doing kind of you know playing around with the Solange idea is so sacred and it's just like this is such a black expression of art this is such a level of vulnerability i think one thing that separates brandy is you can always tell when brandy's not actually plugged in to a song because brandy's gift is being able to take and this is something i would give her credit you know with the whitney thing is being able to connect to the words of a song and the the emotion and display that through the voice. Not everybody can do that. Um, I think Jasmine Sullivan is another great example. But like, there's not many people who connect the way that Brandy does. And so the fact that her voice allows her, if Brandy wants to say, the bleeding wind, I don't know, making up something. The wind made me feel the blood on my shirt. She would sing it in such a way that the W in wind would actually produce a sound that you felt the wind hit you. That's just the way, I think they call it text painting. She does that in a way that's always believable. And just it's just the level of nuance that most artists aren't really doing. And I think the funny thing about Brandy is I don't even know how much of it is intentional. It's simply that it's innate in her God-given gift that she's chosen to craft and be a, a stew, a good steward of throughout the years. So that you know, you said you, you said a bunch of stuff that like I could go in all these different directions. But I love talking about really Brandy. Stuck, sorry, really, I mean, but listen, it's it's 
it's true. One thing you said to me that really stood out to me was like this idea of like her using her voice as just kind of another instrument. Like she kind of approaches her music instrumentally, right? So like D'Angelo does that as far as like D'Angelo, I think uses his voice whenever we get a project, much just like an additional <laughs> instrument. You know what I mean? Like it's it's what he's saying almost isn't as important as how he's getting across. Like he's a pure, he's a vocalist. Like literally, it's a the singing is kind of part of it, but how it's delivered is almost more important. Mm -hmm. And I think Brandy can sing, so that's not even that's not that's not a question at all. Oh, but you, but saying saying it as but saying it as she approaches it like a vocalist puts her more squarely in the artist camp than it does like the singer camp, right? Like it really, like she is, she's as involved in the creative process in the creation of these things, like taking those words and turning them into like these fuller lush ideas. And that's interesting to me because I don't know that, I don't know that I've ever thought of Brandy in the way of like, like I never, I don't view her as like, like Michael Jackson was one of those artists, right? Like you're like he's literally what you're saying is the things that Mike is known for, right? Like Mike would go in there mm -hmm. and completely create an entire sound bed version of what he's trying to do. And then you kind of build around it. Like, you know, the the vocal stacking, the layering, all that stuff. That's what Mike did all the time. I mean, that's why his his vocals, like just listening to the pure vocals, it's like, I don't think we appreciate Michael Jackson enough for the things that he was doing musically. But I think now, the more that I think about it, you're probably I can probably make that same statement about somebody like Brandy who innately maybe just goes in the studio like, you know what, I kind of hear it this way. Let me try to do this. Why do you think, and maybe I'm wrong, so let me go ahead and couch this with this. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Why, do, why don't more people view Brandy as the artist that perhaps she, may, she should be viewed as, if that makes yeah, sense? Yeah, no, it does. This is a question that I think I wrestle with a lot, and I've kind of stumbled upon these these few ideas on it. So one, I think that her peers actually do respect her as the vocalist that yeah, she so is. I'm thinking and commercially, something we're, we're going to talk yeah. about the musicians because it seems like Correct. every musician is like Brandy. Oh, like everybody's like Brandy is, yes. is about that life. I think from the commercial end of it, though, like critically, I don't think that we give her the flowers critically. Like is yeah. Brandy might actually be an underrated <clears throat> artist. I think that's what I'm curious about. Like, how yeah. does that happen? No, that's. That's the distinction I want to make is that it's always, it's never her peers. It's, it's the public at large or maybe certain critics or commercially. And I think it's a, it's a multi-tiered thing because her personal journey and her journey as an artist can't be separated from the decline. I hate to say the decline, but it's factual. The decline in commercial success. There were some missteps, I think, career-wise that impacted her commercial success. But I think now when it comes to just artists, in general, or the general fan base at large, one thing for Brandy is that I would say that maybe she could I hate saying this about artists because it sounds like I'm telling them to dumb down things. But I think just generally as music has progressed deeper and deeper and there's been the merge of rap and R&B and singing as a art form, has it's kind of gone from I listen to singers for them to do impressive things I can't do to more so I want to be able to sing what the artist is doing. So the artists aren't doing things that are that impressive anymore. I think for an artist like Brandy, that's challenging because I think at the peak of her creative or commercial success, Brandy's style of singing was almost conversational. And then it added all the great things. But as she has this pressure of the idea of being the vocal Bible and her voice just naturally matured, she started doing even more aggressive or impressive things that maybe she couldn't do when she was younger but now the times have changed. It's almost like the opposite. Brandy now sings closer sometimes as a 90s singer. Because back in the 90s, it was how much can you do? How much can you add right. into one song? And Brandy was an anomaly because that wasn't her style. She chose a different approach similar to the way Aaliyah did. But then as Brandy's gotten older, now she can do the squawking and the, the bigger voice things and adding all these things. But unfortunately, the average listener is actually used to way a much more simplified um, vocal take, which is why I think songs like Put It Down were a common hit. Besides Chris Brown being one, it, it was a hit for her because it was simple. It's just that if you put it down right, like the way I want it, play it God's way, maybe we could fall in love. If you put it down, maybe we could fall in love. Just a simple easy to follow Brown melody everything a hit by the way Chris Brown of course of course but like even the hook the yeah the way sean garrett wrote that hook though 
it's similar to like when Mariah's in her best and new age Mariah. It's like an easily sing along hook, something that people can sing along to. It's it's it gets stuck in your head and it's not complex. And I always say when Brandy finds that balance, I think sometimes the vocal Bible moniker can be a detriment because you feel like every song you have to attack, like give them everything I can instead of, is this a good song first and foremost? Cause Brandy can make the itsy bitsy spider sound like a Grammy award winning hit. And then it turns into how can I convey what's necessary for this song, but do it in a way that the average person can walk away appreciating it. And that's hard for, I think it's hard for a person who thinks like Brandy because her, the the musical conversation she's having is at an elevated level, not in saying this in a condescending way, it's just that the way that she studies or listens to music is just on a different level, probably from most everyday casual listeners, especially as when the things we listen on the radio are more and more simplified. So you find that that challenge of be the artist or be the commercial success. And that's a hard place to be in, I think, as an artist. Yeah, and we're gonna talk specifically about that. We're gonna take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Specifically, I want to talk about the critical successes. And actually, while you were talking, I had an idea about why I think maybe if there is a, a decline in interest in some ways, perhaps why I think that might be. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back here on Dear Culture to talk more about Brandy as the vocal Bible. All right, we're back here at Dare Culture talking about Brandy as the vocal Bible with journalist, writer, music, foodie, all things considered, Dave Poole, who's been giving us some tremendous insights about Brandy, why she's the vocal Bible, what it is she does great, and how, how influential she's been. And we talked briefly before the break about this idea of what it means to be handed such a lofty title. And you know, I mentioned that I wouldn't want the pressure of being called a Bible of anything because, you know, a Bible is it's like it's the Bible. It's like the most read book on the planet as far as as far as I know. Everybody's familiar. So everybody gives it this certain reverence. So mm-hmm. what and I read somewhere like I, I read on I read an article about Brandy being hesitant about accepting that title early on. And that makes sense to me. So what do you think? It must like the pressure, like how is that how has that pressure impacted the way Brandy delivers her music and her art? Like, how does Brandy work with being the vocal Bible? <laughs> yeah. I, I wish that I'd personally spoken to her about this, but I can definitely piece things from what she said and make my own inferences. But one, she has publicly stated she struggled with understanding why people would call her that, struggling with coping with having it. Um, I think she said the late her late vocal producer, one of the great greatest, LaShawn Daniels, really was the person to help her understand why people refer to her that way. And, you know, her understanding, it's beyond just her tone. It's not what Brandy does, it's how she does it. There's just a unique stamp right. that's on anything that other people might do the same thing, like you said before, and it just doesn't translate the same. But I think for Brandy, going to the pressures, I do think, you know, and I would love to hear her thoughts that sometimes subconsciously that type of type of pressure can seep into the way that you go about approaching your music. And sometimes you feel the need to live up to a moniker repeatedly, even when it's like, well, you don't have to do, and I'm not saying she does this consistently, but it's like, sometimes I'm like, you could make this simpler. Like this actually could be more straightforward. Monica, I don't know if you remember the verses that they did. I've been through that same thing, right. but I mean, but, but when you're timeless, you can work at any time. Come on now. And I feel like you're timeless. Your voice is timeless. Your Thank songs you. are timeless. So. Thank you. One of my favorite parts was, okay, yeah. One of my favorite parts when Monica and Brandy were discussing how they record music, Monica says, I just do a top down. Like she goes, she sings through the song once or twice and that's it. The raw emotion, capture it and that's it. And it's actually a point that I thought Brandy could benefit from only because Brandy is such a perfectionist. She's spoken about how like, as a Brandy fan, there's like 50 versions of different songs sometimes. And I'm like, you know what? I think Brandy could benefit from just trust your instinctual performance and don't go back and make it perfect. Because the I think the Bible moniker brings, an, uh, uh, brings a need to make it perfect. When sometimes like her song Broken Hearted, which she recorded in like one take most of it because she wanted to go to like Six Flags or something. You felt that pain. You felt the rawness and the imperfection in the vocal performance. Yeah. 
And I think she could benefit from knowing that, hey, when you actually do a take or two of a song, that's your true feeling. Don't don't feel the need to perfect that. Because we actually, as as listeners, feel that in, that feel that impact. You know, that's interesting, too, because I've always I think you can tell artists that like one take things and do that. Like a lot of times, like listening to Brandy, it's clear she's punching in things where they need to be. Like it's 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 clear. Mm-hmm. And that's not a knock or anything like that. It's just no, you can yeah. tell she has the but beside the layering, just the phrasing, the way that these these like songs like live on. I mean, the, the lyrics live on top of each other. Like it's I don't know how in the world she do some of that stuff in one take, but. You bring up a good point. It'd be interesting to hear some of these songs as one take versions of themselves, right? Like how how you just go the whole way through or you just knock that thing out. Um, I you said something earlier about how Brandy like vocally was trying everything. And I, I almost wonder if that's part of her artistry, too, because so, for instance, I think Full Moon is probably regarded as her best album. I think. Yeah. I, I think I think so. Like it's it's easily the album that I enjoy the most. So I'm gonna just assume that I'm the person that matters the most. This is say Full Moon is the best album. It's but, the album that gave her the moniker. I would agree that that's the one that people. So the, yeah, that's where her. I was going with this. Like that's where it came from. Like the stuff she was doing on an album, and it's also, I think Brandy as an artist. Which is real interesting because she's such she's considered such a commercial success because she is. She doesn't get to live in that indie artist like lane where I think she belongs sometimes with a lot of the things that she tries. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of her music, she takes risks and they don't yes. always work. Right. Like this, like musically, the sound she's going for, I think was it um what about us or I think what about what she felt like this song was gonna be like innovative, like it could have changed the game kind of thing. Like like it was a and what that song is amazing but every song isn't going to be that way right and i wonder if the way that she approaches vocals is also kind of the way she approaches the sound she's hearing like you know some artists just believe like i have these she wanted to be a rapper right she thought she was going to change the game as a rap be rocker is a thing and i wish she would have gave be rocker back but she really believed in it for a while you know what i mean I'm not a shooting star. I'm stuck still in the sky. You can catch me on a mountain high. You can bless me with the right guy. You can put me in his island. I, uh, I guess I wonder if maybe, because I don't think people really talk about Brandy's albums the same way that they talk about classic albums, R&B albums. Outside of Full, I think Full Moon and Never Say Never probably get closest Absolutely. to it. But the rest of the albums, like I've listened to all of them, Aphrodisiac, Human B7, all these things, and I never really walk away with them feeling like this is i'm not gonna say it's not the best version because they're good albums they're fine but you know i feel like brandy's one of those artists who is so big you would think that almost all of her albums kind of have that like her albums are events but they're also because they're as good and i wonder if her creativity vocally bleeds into the creativity musically which doesn't always work it works vocally almost all the time but i think musically maybe not i've said a lot here no, Am no. I, I think there's the argument there. I definitely think there's a there's a there's a valid argument or critique where it could be made, and we could get into that about does it always work? I think one of the album. I look at the trifecta, the holy trinity of her albums, as Never Say Never, Full Moon, and Aphrodisiac. That's the trinity for okay. me, and I okay. say that because I think Aphrodisiac, unfortunately, was clouded by a lot of personal turmoil you know that was when the the situation with the the marriage or you know it wasn't real Mm -hmm. and all those different things just negative media attention and then some label choices and single choices but like when you listen to that body of work to me it's like almost like the rated r of rihanna's catalog like it's its own slap snapshot of brandy Mm -hmm. at her most raw brandy emoting in a way that 16, 14 year old, 18 year old, 20 year old Brandy could have never done. That's the Brandy that had wear and tear on her voice. So you could feel what she was saying. It wasn't over polished the way that Full Moon was. And lyrically, it was mature. Songs like Necessary that CeeLo Green did, or songs like Say You Will. Baby, all I wanna do is spend all my life with you. Have three, four kids by you. And have some more if you want me to. Everything. So now 
this had a level of maturity that should have actually transitioned her in adulthood, I believe it would have had it reached the heights that it should have. But then I think bringing up your argument with human, I thought human was beautiful in its spiritual undertones and her ability to tap into her upper register and to play around with that. But I could see an argument where you say production wise and songwriting wise, it went so pop and it didn't feel risk taking in terms of just subject matter or production where it was kind of, yes, she was risking by singing higher. I'm only human. But that was all that there was. I could see an argument for that. I I, I I love the album, but I can find validity in there. And I think 211 kind of found this cool, icy, almost hip hop driven style. Like she found this way to like add some of the overproduction of like Full Moon with some of the rawness of Aphrodisiac. It was an interesting mix. current time and I don't think they knew how to market it the way that they should have and then you have albums like B7 where it's this I believe B7 is in the year like 2050 because song structure wise one of my favorite commentators and vocal instructors online O'Neill Gerald he really talks about a lot of the song structure and I was like this is not like oh just play it in the car and listen to it casually album it's a very like besides maybe like two songs you need to be listening because she's doing stuff that I mean, I would expect Bjork to be doing type of this, some of this type of stuff. But Brandy's not, like you said, an indie artist. She's looked at as a commercial entity. Even her brand stock now, like she's a acting again. She's doing stuff that she was doing in the 90s. So people are looking at her, but I think the music is still somewhat approached indie-like, if that makes sense, where it's just so creative. It's like, let's rein it in and make it pack- package it so it's palatable for an everyday audience. That is such an interesting way to look at it, too, because she's almost too big to get to allow her music to be viewed perhaps the way it should. Like, I think Beyonce also deals with this, right? Like, hmm Lemonade was a very indie album to me. Like it just yeah. like it it felt a lot more personal, like like smaller in some ways than like these big lush productions that are supposed to be like stadium fillers and stuff like that. But because she's Beyonce, it gets viewed in the can she sell ten million lens as opposed to the is the music landing the way that it should kind of stuff. And I think Brandy probably lives a lot in that space. And I never really thought about that until recently. I mean, it's been more recently thinking about her as an artist that it's like, huh? But even that like B7 opens up like, like a straight up like indie album, like that, that first song, like I remember listening to that, like, yo, this is, this is crazy. Like whatever instrumentation we got here, chopped up samples with some stuff. I was like, this is amazing. And the references, I, but see, I think you brought up a good point with Beyonce's Lemonade album, for example, or even the self-titled album. The difference is, and of course there's differences in funding and backing. And like you said, just having that. Beyonce is an artist that if she drops it, people are going to pay attention, love it or hate it. Right. But I think Beyonce's packaging and presentation of Lemonade through a visual medium made it much, like people can't separate the two now. So it's like, even if you love or hate the album Lemonade, most people would say that the film was a masterpiece. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. And because she's smart and, yeah, she's smart enough to know that if I present it in a way that people intrinsically think about the album and the visual, it'll make the two things synonymous in most people's minds. And Brandy doesn't often, because, and I say this respectfully, Brandy, in my opinion, never was a visual artist in the way that she should have been. And so she only has the music. So as the music gets more and more indie, I like using the word indie for this. I don't know why. I like how you'd use that. It actually became more and more challenging because she doesn't have the other component. And a lot of indie artists today, like Don Richards or, um, you know, Isla or Moses Sumney, 
they're all very visual artists, Samo. Like all these different people make yeah. cool music, innovative music, but they also have a visual component to make it accessible and digestible. We're going to take a final break here. I'm going to come back and finish talking about Brandy as a vocal Bible. I have one, I think one final question to kind of wrap this up. And then we're going to do some, we're going to, we're going to close it out with some black fashions and some black recommendations because of their culture, we are all about the blackness. So stay tuned. Join us after the break. All right, we're back here at Dear Culture, and we are finishing up this conversation with Dave Poole about Brandy's The Vocal Bible. And what do you think Brandy's ultimate musical legacy will end up being? Like, I think the vocal Bible thing, and all, look, she's she's a, people say she's like your favorite artist, favorite artist. I think that bears out. I You can find quotes on quotes from days from artists that we know and love who are like, I love Brandy. The Luke James of the world, the Indiaries of the world, uh, like this all the, the and it runs the yes. gamut of the type of artist. Like everybody loves Brandy as an artist, but I feel like there's that you know kind of a bit like the commercial side versus the artist side versus what kind of music she's making. About. Like so, Brandy is she has a legacy. It's set in stone. She is Brandy. She's on one name status, right? She she got there. What do you think her musical legacy is going to be? This is tough because. I know that's yeah. a heavy question. I wanted to lay the whole thing before. Tell us the secrets, the answers of life. Um, I definitely believe that she will be remembered by the tone of her voice and how unique it was. You can't discuss 90s music, not just R&B, 90s music without talking about Brandy. Because what she, along with Aaliyah and Monica, did was truly unprecedented, the level of success they had at such an early age. Um, but I think Brandy as a full around full on entertainer i don't think her best days are behind her i think as we see her transitioning into acting more i don't know what the musical side will look like you know moving forward but i definitely think as a talent she's definitely going to be remembered as a renaissance woman as someone who who did it all and did it all in a way that was uniquely her and i think the more that she taps into accepting her authentic self and not wanting to be anybody else other than that the more that people will resonate with her work. And I pray that people look back at albums like Full Moon, Never Say Never, Aphrodisiac, and her debut and look and think, this really set the groundwork for 21st century R&B music. You wouldn't have the same thing with Frank Ocean's and stuff without yeah, Brandy. I um, love Frank Ocean. That is, that is a whole yes. separate interesting conversation. And I would love, I would love to see Brandy go like the Frank Ocean mm. Blonde route. Like Blonde is probably like my favorite album of the past decade. Like I I can listen to the album every single day. I would love something super minimal, but like super like punchy and like powerful. Like, I mean, Frank Ocean is a, a gift into himself, just his phrasing and the way that he puts things together. Like I and they've I've worked together before. Like that, but just like the minimalism on that album. Listen, Frank need to go ahead and run him a whole yes. Brandy album. Just like, let me let me start at the top. Let's do this. I think he was thing. one of her first placements. I would love like, that. Yeah, I think, yeah, like he worked with her on Human and then on 211. So I would co-sign that times 10, get back together. Listen, I want to hear Blonder, yes. the Brandy version. That's what I, I want to hear. Um, this has been a great conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot. Uh, you gave a lot of great insights and ideas. We had a, and I, you know, we said this off camera, but like thinking of Brandy as an indie artist, I think mm -hmm. reframes her whole career. And I think I'm gonna start trying to do that. I'm gonna start trying to listen to her album through Same. that indie lens, like because I do think with the with the commercial end of it, you know, because she's a selling artist. She's a selling artist. You know what I mean? Like people, I think it's easy to lose her influence just from a critical standpoint because people view these big artists as just like they they only view like the the influence in terms of i don't think the musical influence gets enough credit when you start looking at artists that are as big as like like we're going to be talking about like what beyonce is so big like people are going to be trying to figure out exactly how she influenced things aside from just being the biggest artist ever like the ability yeah. to level things up like Michael Jackson. I think you have to be more intricate about thinking about how they influence music and what they did and how that like that you know, those breadcrumbs are, are are sprinkled through everything. So, you know, I'm gonna start trying to think and do more of my own work with Brandy in that in that sense. And you know, yes. shout outs to Brandy, the whole Norwood family, those are my people. True story. I want to write Ray J's biography. Oh. That's my goal in life to be the person that writes Ray J's biography. So 
you know, hopefully they listen to this and they get yes, it. Yes, I'm speaking that into existence. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to move into this. It's one of my favorite things to do here because, you know, we all have this statement where we say black people are not a monolith. We are all individuals. We do things. And, well, we do this thing here called a black fashion. And this is our opportunity to prove it every single time. Black fashions being a confession of sorts of your blackness, something that most black people that we think anyway would all kind of share in common or think similarly. But as it turns out, that's not always the case. You have a black fashion for us. Please I do. share. I have never seen Love Jones, Love and Basketball, or Friday. You actually wrote a, a movie, you wrote an article about New Jack City, oh. and I was like, I actually have never seen that either. So, yeah. So, you know, I want to be upset about this. I really do. But you know what I'm learning the more we do stuff like this is how many black movies black folks haven't seen. Like, Friday comes up all the time amongst people. People are all like, yeah, I've never seen Friday. Like, Love Jones is surprising, but not surprising when you consider how little money it actually mm. made, like, at the box office or, like, in, you know, like, it just, it's... It's like a indie film darling that everybody loves and references. Like everybody knows what happens in Love Jones, even if you've never seen it, right? I think it kind of ascended to that. You have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Just threw that whole idea out the window. Okay. All right. Got me cussing on it. Cussing on a Tuesday. All right. So you haven't seen Love Jones, Love and Basketball. That's so interesting. Why? This is what I tell people. Because at this point, it's a yeah. Choice. So it's at this point, this I point. almost—is it a part of my identity to just keep being this anomaly in the mono, in the in the in the black community? Like, because I did eventually watch the Color Purple, so like I I have broken some ones that I hadn't seen. But I I always argue this. I was like I was raised in the two thousands. Like I'm a I was a ch- I had no business watching any of those movies as a young kid in the nineties. So it's like when I was Fair. of age to watch it. I had my own stuff to watch, you know, like we had our own movies and things that we would want to watch. So I just never made it back to watching it. But, you know, it's nothing against them personally. I think that they're probably incredible. You don't have any curiosity about like even Love Jones or, you know, Love and Basketball. I mean, Friday, but Love Jones is like Love Jones. I don't wear draws. You don't have any on right now. Breaking it. Say goodbye to your daddy, baby. And putting it all together. This is nothing serious. You know, no curiosity. I think I have so much admiration and respect for all the actors in that film. It's just never (laughs) been something that I was like, let me go run and see what Love Jones is about. It's just never been. Maybe I'm also not the biggest romance drama movie person. I'm pretty cynical a lot of times when it comes to romantic love but you know maybe one day it'll come on like when i would watch cable that's how i would see that's how i saw the sequels to friday because they would come on vh1 or something like that so maybe one day if i'm sitting at home so you've seen next friday one of those i don't know which one but and because everyone kept calling because my nickname is day day and there's a character named day day so i i watched that just because i had to understand the reference to why everyone kept saying that to me so all right well that is what what at one point in my life I would consider that to be an alarming black fashion, but it turns out I'm not even sure that's a black fashion anymore. I might have to tell people, listen, if you're just gonna tell me you didn't you ain't seen Friday or Love Jones, you gotta come up with something Thank else. Because at this point, I'm starting to think nobody's actually seen the movies except Thank me you. and my friends. Um But to counter this travesty, potential travesty in your blackness. We also do something called a yes. black recommendation, which is where we ask people to share something in blackness that's by for about black culture or black people that they like and they really enjoy. So uh, what is your black recommendation? Yeah. So like I'm a political junkie. I enjoy being engaged and informed as possible when it comes to pop- the political space. I need to add that as a writer, like to get into writing about it. But there is an incredible political commentator. Uh, she was actually the national press secretary for Bernie Sanders' campaign, Brianna Joy Gray. She does an incredible podcast called Bad Faith. Um, so that it's like an episode every Thursday for free. And then Monday, she does premium episodes for people on her Patreon. I recommend checking it out. I think as a Black woman, that voice and that lens is often rep- underrepresented. And she does a great job of discussing not just the racial angle of things, but more importantly, the class angle and infusing the two so i definitely recommend checking out her work she's incredible i love 
hearing her viewpoint on things. Well, look, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, where can yeah. people find your work? Where, where, where are, where is Daypool? Where can they be part of? The thank you so much. Um, and I didn't bring up the tiramisu. Yeah, you wrote about tiramisu like waffles, and <laughs> I'm just not. I believe it or not, my biggest article. So far, I think for that publication was actually about the proper way to open up ketchup packages, which is the funniest thing to me because I wrote that in like 15 minutes. I thought it was a joke. So, yeah. Life hacks, man. People yeah, love a good life. I'm hack. on Instagram. That's like my preferred social media platform at D-A-I underscore T-Y-M-E. That's daytime. Does have my uh, website in the bio where you can check out my articles for the kitchen, mash.com. Um, yeah, adding pub uh, this is R&B. I'm trying to add some more publications as well. So I appreciate it if you check it out. Look, I appreciate the convo. You have a lot of great things to say. So I'm sure we'll be hearing, reading a ton more from you on all manner of things because, you know, you got, listen, we found you. I saw it. I was like, we need to get this. We need to get this chap here to talk about this brandy thing. And, and listen, we appreciate the conversation. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Dear Culture this week. Uh, thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review. Subscribe. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, check us out. Hang out with the folks. You know what I'm saying? We talk about the blackness and all things black, all black everything. Um, please email all suggestions, email scams, um, gift cards, but digital gift cards, uh, compliment suggestions, ideas but make them very short we're not going to take them so you know i have my own to podcast at the griot.com uh dear culture is an original production brought to you by the griot podcast network our show is produced by myself panama jackson and crystal grant and edited by cameron blackwell and regina griffin is our managing editor of podcasts here at the griot podcast network so thanks for sleepwalking thanks for checking us out have a black one Next week on Dear Culture, Anthony Anderson. While the Obamas were in office, I took a USO trip to uh, to Afghanistan. Okay. And we flew over on Air Force Two, which was, uh, I believe, the First Lady's plane. Okay. Uh, Didn't even know that so existed, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Air Force Two. And uh, I was going through the cabinets, and this is when I knew that we had... Uh, uh, a black first family. There was packets of great Kool-Aid in the cabinet. 